Welcome, and thank you for joining us at Gallery Church Downtown. Our gathering is about to begin. Please say hello in the comments or connect with us through email at connect at gcbdowntown.com. Take a minute to grab your Bible and open the notes section in our church app to follow along during the teaching. You will also need to have your communion supplies ready for the end of the gathering. Um, welcome, everyone, um, and for those online, uh, welcome. Uh, we're so glad to be together today. Uh, as we enter into this gathering now, let's pause together and be still. Breathe in and out. Let's recenter our scattered things upon the presence of God. Say this after me. Uh, Roman 12. Okay. All right. Good. Love must be sincere. Faith was his evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another. Humble yourselves. Never, never be lacking in zeal, but keep the spirit of fervor. Serve the Lord. Be joyful in hope. Patient in affliction. Faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people, glory in me, practice hospitality. Let this be true for us all. If you're new to our church, we welcome you. We're so thankful you joined us. Please meet me after the gathering, and we can help you learn about the church and ways you can get involved. If you're listening online at any time during the gathering and you need prayer, you can open our church app and click the prayer tab. Or you can email us at prayer at gcbdowntown.com. Or you can message us in the chat. Um, so I'm Mark. Good to meet you all. Uh, if we have met before. Uh, before uh, Ginger gets us uh, started with the message, we do have a few announcements for today. So first, I want to remind everyone that we are going through a daily reading as a church of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew's Matthew chapters 5 through 7. Uh, we encourage everyone at home uh, to take some time every day. It only takes about 10, 15 minutes uh, to read through that whole passage. It's one of the biggest chunks of red letter words uh, that uh, we have recorded from Jesus. So um, we're going to be focusing on our, our summer on uh, a daily reading of that sermon. Um, and that will uh, hopefully inspire us to. Um, the words and how Jesus instructed us to live. Additionally, we are recommending two books for a, as a summer reading list. Um, the first is called What If Jesus Was Serious? You can see it there on the screen. Uh, it's a compilation of all new reflections and hand-drawn doodles. Uh, and the book takes a look at some of Jesus' most demanding teachings from the Sermon on the Mount and pushes us to ask whether we're really hearing what Christ is saying. The visual component of the book makes it memorable and enjoyable to read, uh, and Sky's incisive reflections uh, make it worthwhile for any Christian. If you're traditionally been dissatisfied with Christian devotional resources, uh, but love to learn about Jesus and think deeply, this book is written for you. The second book that we're encouraging everyone to look up is called When We Stand. Uh, it's easy to feel overwhelmed by all the injustices uh, that we see in the world, but we don't 
know what to do and or when we don't know what to do and what we might think of that we haven't done anything that uh, we don't have anything to offer. By using our gifts in collaboration with others, we can do more together than we ever could on our own. Um, mobilizing and acting together empowers us to do what we can't do as isolated individuals. This book looks at the obstacles that prevent us from getting involved and offers practical ways that we can accomplish things together as families, churches, and communities. So, um, now that we're able to gather together again and our first Sunday without um, a mask mandate, and most of us have our vaccines and everything, um, we look back and consider that the past year has been extremely hard on our church family, and we desire to strengthen relationships that have been put on hold due to the pandemic. So, in July and August, we're offering special opportunities to us for us to connect and grow together. In July, um, we're going to be hosting summer sessions on the, the rooftop deck of Pastor Ellis and Ginger. Uh, we're going to engage in heartfelt, spirit-led discussions and share our hearts with one another and enjoy the beautiful summer evenings together. Uh, there's multiple sessions available with uh, slots all throughout the summer on different nights of the week. And we encourage everyone to find at least one time uh, that they're able to uh, 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 reserve a spot. Uh, you can register in the Gallery Church app. You can find the app by just searching Gallery Church Baltimore uh, in either the Google or Apple app stores. Um, and you can also email uh, to, to uh, reserve a spot at connect at, at gcbdowntown.com. That's at Gallery Church Baltimore, gcbdowntown.com. Um, so please feel to register for more than one evening if you like. Great. Um, now I'm going to enter into a time of uh, generosity. It is important that we keep the character of our Father in heaven in front of us, as well as his will of our lives. He has displayed generosity and we desire to follow his example. Please join me now in this generosity prayer. You can be up in this one. with him. Father in heaven, there is nothing I have that you will not give me. All I have and I belong to you, bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. To spend everything on myself and to give without sacrifice is the way of the world that you do not abide. But generosity is the way of those who call Christ their Lord, who love him with free hearts and serve him with renewed minds. Withstanding the pollution of riches that chose the word, whose hearts are in the kingdom and not in the systems of the world. I am determined to increase in generosity until it can be said that there is no needy person among us. I am determined to be trustworthy with such a little thing as money that you may trust me with true riches. Above all, I am determined to be generous because you, Father, are generous. Fathers and sons, to share your interests and to show what you are like to all the world. Amen. All right, I would like you to. I would like to encourage you to take a moment now to give. You can give through the app um, by going to Gallery Church downtown, or you can uh, donate online or give online. Uh, at gcbdowntown.com forward slash giving. And that's all the announcement that we have for today. Mm -hmm.
Good morning again, church family. Um, in case you missed it, my name is um, Ginger Prince, and um, I'm married to Ellis, who is one of the pastors here at Gallery Church. And uh, it is a privilege to be with you today. And again, I thank you in advance for um, working through some of the awkwardness of, of uh, what we've been trying to figure out this morning. Um, but in that, also realizing the the um, the purpose of hospitality, and that today. I'm um, talking about, um, we've been working through the summer, um, working through a habit series, talking about habits that we need to have as a church family um, in order to really be um, following Jesus as we should. And so today, the topic that I'm covering is hospitality. Um, and to be honest, when, when Ellis asked me to do this, I said, honey, you're great at hospitality, this will be easy. And, and I said, of course, I took the compliments, thanks, honey. Sure, sure, I'll teach. Um, but these past few weeks have been a little challenging for me. Um, and I think it's probably indicative even of what we're feeling this morning of some of the chaos um, surrounding the teaching. Um, and I'll, I'll share a little bit more as we get into uh, the teaching today. But I think with hospitality, there's so much that um, is involved and based upon a preparation, a preparation of our hearts. Um, and when that preparation doesn't happen, we're not able to be hospitable the way that we desire to be. So, first of all, um, I really wanted us to talk a little bit about how we would define hospitality. Um, because hospitality can be defined in so many different ways. And I was going to have us break up into groups and have us talk, but we're not going to do that. We're just going to keep moving since we delayed our start time a little bit this morning. Um, but I want us to see this uh, quote from Shauna Nyquist, and I think that it will be a good grounding um, definition of what hospitality is. And it's on the screen for you. She says, the heart of hospitality is about creating space for someone to feel seen and heard and loved. It's about declaring your table a safe zone, a place of warmth, and a place of nourishment. So let that rest on you this morning. Hospitality is not this grandiose setting like we think about people equate, who is it that people equate hospitality with? Who's a well-named person in our world today? Martha Stewart. And when people give you a compliment, they're like, oh, you're like Martha Stewart. And they mean it in their merit of being very complimentary um, because she is so good at what she does. But that's not what we're talking about this morning. Hospitality is about creating space for someone to feel seen and heard and loved. How many of you need that this morning? I know I do. Yeah, we all do. Um, also, she goes on to say that true hospitality has more to do with our hearts than it will ever have to do with our homes. So let's jump forward a little bit more quickly than I probably would have, and let's talk about some roadblocks, some things that keep us from wanting to be hospitable, or some excuses maybe, if we will be honest with each other. What are some things that we say about reasons why we don't want to be hospitable or show hospitality? Can you just kind of share them with me? Yes. I've heard some, not me specifically, but I've heard some people say, well, what's the sense? It's not going to change anyway. Okay. You know, but why change your hospitality? Okay. You want to do it just because 
That's good. So why do it? What's it going to change anyway? Why show kindness? What's going to change? That's a good one. Any other excuses that we hear? Not enough time. Not enough time. Time is a big one. What are some other ones? My house is a mess. My house is a mess. Please, I want to open that door, but I'm afraid. Yes, house is a mess. That's a big one. What are some other reasons? So we don't take advantage. Yeah, just we don't we don't take that opportunity. Yeah, I think time is the biggest one that I hear. Okay, I don't take that much time just because I want to kind of work. Right. So we like to use time. We don't have space in our our lives to extend that. Um, some people say I don't know how to cook or bake. <laughs> um, entertaining is so stressful. People say um, I can't possibly have X, Y, and Z over. Why, why would I invite that person over? Um, and of course, this is the church one. It's just not my gift. <laughs> right? It's not my gift. Um, I live too far away. It's just too inconvenient to have people over. Oh, this is a good one. Especially for some mamas who aren't here this morning. Maybe they're at home with their kiddos, but it's not the right season of life. Um, you know, not, it's not the right season. I can't afford to feed people. I can barely afford to feed myself. I'm not going to afford to feed other people. Um, and then I think number 10 is the best one. I just don't have time at the moment. But I want us to understand that I believe these are misconceptions about what true biblical hospitality is. And if we understood that better, I think we would all be a little bit more willing to engage in that. Because it's not about a beautiful laid dining table um, with all the perfect um, fabric napkins and doilies and candles lit. Those things are nice. But that really is more about entertaining. And not that entertaining can't be hospitality, but true hosp biblical hospitality is more about giving space, I'm coming back to it, so that people feel seen and loved and accepted. So let's keep moving. Um, there's a Greek word that I'm not going to pronounce. Um, that is the word for hospitality, and I think we have it on the screen, and if we don't, yeah, there it is. And as you see the Greek word there, it means friend or to be friendly to one, the loved and dear. And so if you break it down, um, actually the phylos, the first part, is what means the friend to be friendly. And the last part, um, xenos, there I am trying to say it, means a stranger and unknown or foreign to guest. But if you were just to look in the dictionary, we would find the definition of what hospitality is. Hospitality is not something that's just what believers do. Although believers should excel at hospitality. That's how the church, um, when it was starting um, a long time ago, after the Holy Spirit came and the, the news of Jesus died and resurrected was spreading, that's how the church grew and spread, was they had amazing hospitality. Um, the dictionary just says it's a friendly reception and treatment of guests or strangers. The quality or disposition of receiving and treating guests and strangers in a warm, friendly, generous way. So we're basically saying all the same words, just in a different order. And I think often when we're defining hospitality, you know, we define it with the word, well, you know, just be hospitable, right? Like, we're defining the word with the word, which, you know, in school, and I've taught school, I was a school teacher, um, haven't taught since my son was born, he's now 18, but taught in other ways, um, but... You can't define a word with the word. You have to break it down. And so this morning, if I can come to the simplest of definition, 
And I think even as I'm looking at your faces, um, I'm going to be like squishing all these notes into a much smaller, compact way. Um, because I think it's just a lot of words to understand that hospitality is love in action. When you look at the word hospitality, one of the root words that you see in it is the word hospital. We go to a hospital because we have a need. We need to be taken care of. And so what I'm wanting us to understand and to grow in, hospitality is simply seeing, assessing a need in someone's life and then following through with an action because of the love that we've been given and we want to share with someone else. Does that make sense? So let's look at um, let's look at Romans 12 again, because I think also the best way to understand what hospitality is is by understanding what it is not. And in these church walls and in many other churches today with people meeting, I think when we hear the word hospitality, um, we think that hospitality is a ministry team, right? There are people who that is their job to, to greet people at the door, to welcome them. Well, I need hospitality, so I'm not going to be meeting and greeting people. But I want you to know this morning, and I know you know this, hospitality is not a ministry team. It's a way of life. Have you ever stepped inside someone's house and you just immediately felt like that you were home? There was just a warmth, an invitation that you felt? Someone the other day, um, I heard, uh, was, had come over for one of our rooftop experiences, which I'd love to invite you to come to so we can get to know each other better. Um, and we weren't on the rooftop because it was raining. But she, she said, I just feel like I've been engulfed with a warm blanket. Did I give her a warm blanket? Did I have a dining room table set with all the fine china and glasses? No, we were drinking out of um, just our regular glasses. She had just water. It was that she felt seen and heard and loved. We had given her space for that on our couch. So I'm sharing that with you that it's not something, it's not this grandiose scheme and plan. And it's, but it's not going to happen by chance. We have to be very intentional about what it is that we're trying to do. It doesn't happen just by opening our doors. And this means here, even in our church family. We each, as a part of the church family, need to be a part of being in that welcoming environment. So let's go back and revisit Romans 12. Romans 12 says, and I don't know if we have it on the screen, but let me just read it for you. And actually, the whole chapter is a really good chapter for us all. And it starts with two of the verses that we, a lot of us who grow up in church, know very well that we are to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. What better way to define what it means to be hospitable than to understand what that those verses mean? And so it goes on to say, it goes down to verse 9, where it explains, verse 9, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. And then it goes on to say in verse 13, Share with the Lord's people who are in need, practice hospitality. So we're given a key as to what hospitality looks like by understanding how our love for each other has to be sincere and that we have to be devoted to each other in a way that we want to honor someone better than ourselves. 
So, as the gallery, it is our desire that hospitality becomes a way of life. Um, and really, we call this intentional living, and we're going to get into that later. And as I also told Ellis as I was preparing to teach, and some of you have heard me teach, although it's been a while um, for many reasons, but um, this really could be five different teachings. I told Ellis, I'm like, I'll do a workshop. And of course, he said, we'll plan a day so you can do all your workshops. Because there's so many different layers to this. And so I know for all of you intellectuals out there, you're probably analyzing, like, well, that's not actually much more, and she didn't go deep into that. This is a surface level talk about what hospitality is. Um, but it has to become who we are, that it's our way of life. And it's more about having a culture of hospitality among us, that we don't just leave it. For others that we think are better gifted at it, sometimes we compete with each other, we shy away from doing it because we think, well, Ginger's going to open up her home, so I don't need to open up mine. She's going to be better at it. She's going to be told that they feel like a warm blanket has engulfed you know, them. Me, I'm gonna, they're going to come into my home, and I'm going to feel they're going to feel like, oh, this is awkward. you know. So, But we all have to have a part in it as an expression of our body, a corporate culture of hospitality. So a second thing is hospitality is not the responsibility of the extroverts. I hate to say it, but it's true. It is the responsibility of every follower of Christ and every disciple. And we can find this when we look at 1 Peter 4. Um, we are all, as Christians and followers of Christ, asked to practice hospitality. But you have to understand that that doesn't mean that we each practice it in the same way. We practice hospitality sharing the resources and the gifts that we have. This was one of the books um, that I just came to find actually this week. And it was interesting as I was doing my research, a lot of his quotes were in other pieces of research that I was finding. And so it was very affirming actually because I was already on the journey with some of this. But I think at first when we look at even the title of this book, The Hospitality Commands, it makes us feel uncomfortable because again we'll say all the reasons in our head, this is why I'm not hospitable, this is why I don't, I'm not good at I'm not good at hospitality. Um, but it is not just a gift. It actually, um, this author, Alexander Strauch, he explains that hospitality is the mechanism to be able to use all the other giftings, which I love. So if you read in 1 Peter chapter 4, where, again, that whole chapter is about instructions for how we should be living and following after Christ, in verse 8, Again, we hear the, the theme of love. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. goes on in verse 9, and this is a hard one. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. In verse 10, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength of, that God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. So the gifts that follow after we're told to practice and offer hospitality, those hospitality is the mechanism that we can use those gifts to serve and love each other in the body of Christ. Um there's a book uh, that's called The Gospel Comes with the House Key. I don't know if any of you are familiar with it. Um, but she, this, uh, the author, Rosaria Butterfield, talks very specifically about 
um, hospitality, and she makes it clear that hospitality is not entertainment. It is an act of missional evangelism or intentional living, if we want to use our gallery words. She goes on to say, and she, she's very passionate about this. I would love to talk to her in person. She says, hospitality is about meeting the stranger and welcoming that stranger to become a neighbor and then knowing that neighbor well enough that if by God's power he allows for this, that neighbor becomes part of the family of God through repentance and belief. It has absolutely nothing to do with entertainment. She goes on to say, entertainment, think about this, entertainment is about impressing people. The beautiful table, the fine china, the beautiful furniture, the just right piece on your coffee table. It's not about impressing people. Entertainment is about keeping them at arm's length. Think about that. Hospitality is about opening up your heart and your home just as you are and being willing to invite Jesus into the conversation, not to stop the conversation, but to deepen it. So our goal in being hospitable is not to impress people with what we have, our possessions, it is about actually being on mission for the unbeliever. So we hear in the scriptures that we've read that we are to encourage the brother and sister, but also we are, hospitality matters outside the church to the unbeliever as well. We're told in scripture that they will know who we are by our love for each other. That's going to be something that if we can learn to grow in this culture of hospitality as a church family, that people will be drawn in and want to know why do you live like this? Why do you treat me this way? Why do you treat each other that way? And that's because it's our Savior, Jesus, and what he's done for us. It's a universal command, but it is uniquely applied. You don't have to be someone that you're not. You just need to be you. Take the gifts that you've been given and use them. And it's not about just inviting people into your home. It's also about where you work. Who are your coworkers? How can you show hospitality to your coworkers? Remembering that hospitality is love and action. Assessing a need and then doing your best to meet that need. What does that look like? It's uniquely different for each of us depending on where we are, what our circumstances are, who we live with, where we work, where we play. Again, using a lot of those um, intentional living terms that are going to come back to, to the forefront of our conversations in our gallery. Um, I'm going to fast forward just a little bit since it's 1120. And um, I think one of the biggest words that also needs to define hospitality is just presence. You can't um, there's no way to truly understand what it means to be present with someone when there's a need. And I think how better can we be the body of Christ than if someone needs us to have a listening ear, that we are good listeners. If someone needs us to pray for them, that we pray for them. If someone needs a cup of cold water, that we offer the cold water. If they need a bed to sleep in, we do our best to provide that, that bed for someone to sleep in. I think it's really important that it's presence. Her presence has so much to do with 
like eye contact and being fully present with someone so that we're hearing what the needs are and not just assuming that we know what someone needs. Um, I have this cup sitting up here. And I want I want this cup, and I should have started with this. I got a little derailed when we changed around our, our uh, order of service. This cup represents hospitality. And it represents you and I, really. Remember, we're, we're saying that hospitality is love in action. And your cup doesn't have to look like this. This is actually not that nice. Most of mine at home are kerchief that look like this. I brought one of my better ones. Um, it could be a plastic cup, or it could be your thermos that you carry around because you're more earth conscious or whatever. Think about your cup. And I think one of the reasons that we struggle, and Albert, sorry, I'm pulling off the notes. Um, one of the reasons that we struggle with hospitality is because we often live with a love deficit. Not always the case. Sometimes we're just stubborn and we're very selfish. We don't want to think about anyone else. We don't have room in our lives to think about anyone else. But I want you to think about for the moment that often we live in a love deficit. So we go around and we hold out our cup to people that we come in contact with, people that we live with, people that we learn with, people that we work with, people that we play with. And we're just hoping that they'll be able to fill that cup. We look to the person that we would say we love the most, that we're in the deepest relationship with. And for me, it would be my husband, I would have to say. And so I hold out my cup to Ellis, and I just, I don't say this out loud, of course, but I hold out my cup to him, and I'm just hoping that he'll just realize what an amazing wife I am and how loving I am, and I just have it all together, and that he's just going to affirm me and say, babe, I just love you so much. You're an amazing wife. Does he do that? He sometimes does. But is it right for me to be looking to him to fill my love cup? Um, my children and us, most of you know I have a 22-year-old and an 18-year-old. Wow. <laughs> Which is shocking. But often in my life, especially as a younger mom, I would, I would hold out my cup to my kids. Of course, they didn't know this. Like, can you just, can you just make the right choices today and be obedient, especially in front of these people? Because I need people to know that I'm a good mama, that I tried really hard, that I've raised you right and set good boundaries. For those of you at work, you're, you're holding it out to your employer. You're just needing them to give you some words of affirmation. And I think we live in a culture that, that's very rare. So we walk around with a love deficit. And we know what love is, don't we? I mean, we know the First Corinthians chapter 13 that tells us what love is. But we look at 1 Corinthians 13 and think about this. We look at 1 Corinthians 13 with eyes of the way that we want to be loved instead of the ways that we can love. We look at 1 Corinthians 13 with eyes to see 
the ways that we want to be loved instead of the ways that we can love. We want to demand people to love us this way. And is that a healthy expectation? I would say not, especially if you're going to include the word demand. We all have a need to be loved. But there's something that happens when you have eyes to see what you can give to the world, the love that you can give to the world and the people around you, instead of the eyes to always see what you can receive from those around you. There's a shift that happens in your heart and in your mind and the way that you see and view your circumstance. So I can choose that my love will be patient. I can choose that my love will be kind, that it won't keep record of wrongs. I can choose to lay the cup, my cup, at Jesus' feet, who is the only perfect one, so that he can fill me up instead of going to everyone else in my world. Now, you might be thinking, well, Ginger, that kind of contradicts what you're saying because you're telling us we're supposed to be hospitable, we're supposed to be loving others, love in action. What about me? I've been there. I felt that way. Some of you are sitting in this building and you want someone just to pay attention to you, to know what's really going on deep down in your heart and in your soul. But I'm asking us, in order to create a culture of hospitality in our church family, that we have to begin to look, look um, outward. And let me share this with you. Psalm 23. We have a good shepherd. And I'm, I'm bringing this thing to an end here. We have a good shepherd, and he is the most amazing example of what it means to be hospitable. Most of us probably know this, um, this passage of scripture. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Remember, hospitality is assessing the need and doing what we can to give it. We have a shepherd who does that for us. He sees our needs, and he more than supplies those needs. He's such a good shepherd that he sees our need. He makes us lie down in green pastures. He knows that we've had a difficult day and that we need a time of rest. He's going to lead us to quiet and still waters. He refreshes our soul. Our good shepherd guides us along right paths for his name's sake. And our shepherd, when we walk through the dark times, the valley of the shadow of death, or if we want to make it a little bit more real, maybe you haven't lost someone to death recently, as, as I have in the last few years. I've lost both of my parents. But we've all experienced loss in deep ways. But our shepherd sees that need and he wants to meet us there. It goes on to say, his rod and his staff, they comfort me. So do you see what our Savior has done for us? Could we begin to think about doing that for someone else? Seeing that someone's walking through a dark valley and encouraging them, comforting them? Maybe just listening. You don't have to be a professional counselor. Actually, I encourage you not to counsel. Just listen. Be present. I love this part. 
Verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. A table is a huge piece, and it goes back to the quote that we had about Sean and Mike at the, at the first of the, of the teaching, that your table is a place where they feel warm and welcome. He prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. He anoints my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Our Savior is so amazing at hospitality that as David is talking about this, he doesn't ever want to leave this house. He's so warm and comforted. But brothers and sisters, we have that same ability to sit at the Savior's feet and to let him fill our cup. Let me tell you about a custom in Jewish times. When you would come into someone's home as a guest, the host would continue to fill your cup as long as you were welcome. So the opposite would be true. As soon as they stopped to fill your cup, what does that mean? It's time to go. Hospitality is over. Do you hear what it says in Psalms 23? My cup overflows. Not only does our Savior, when we sit with him, or when we're in a love deficit, which, who isn't? He doesn't just keep filling our cups. He, we're always welcome to sit with him, but he fills it to overflow. And why does he fill it to overflow? Because he wants us to love as we have been loved. So I want us to understand that I believe, as we're closing this time, that our hospitality is really a love letter to our Father as we understand how we have been loved. That when we gather around a table, or we meet someone at Starbucks, or we come into contact with someone on the sidewalk, or we meet someone at church for the first time, it can be a holy and a sacred moment. A time for you to love the way that you desire to be loved in return. It's about presence. Creating the space for someone to feel seen and heard and loved. And it's not that our homes need to be filled and running with people all the time. It's that our hearts are prepared and ready to an overflow to love. To love well. So, in closing, I want to ask you who is it that you're looking to fill your cup? Or where are you looking to fill that love deficit? And that answer would be different for each of us. Sometimes it's not people, sometimes it's, it's bad habits, things that we do that we think are going to fill that love cup. And then I want you to ask yourself, is my cup full, even overflowing, so that I'm ready to love well? Let me close this in a time for prayer. Father, I thank you so much that, um, that you were such an amazing shepherd the best host of all. 
Father, I don't know everyone in this room. Some people I've literally met for the first time this morning. Um, but you see them. And you know them. God, I, I pray that we would open our eyes in a practical way to get outside of ourselves and look for ways that we can love other people. Lord, identify, show us where we're looking in the wrong places to fill our cups. And Lord, I pray that we each, as we're walking out of here today, are encouraged to spend more time at your feet so that our cup is overflowing so that then we can love well. It's in Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. So this morning as we close our time, um, we are going to do a time of the, the Lord's table. Um, and so, yeah, so we have some cups. This is, these are COVID-friendly. And so if we'll take this, the, the bread, the symbolism of the bread, and we like to turn to each other. I know we're still kind of in the awkward after COVID times. We'll get back to the around the table work, but like very soon where it feels more like family. But if we'll just turn to someone and just say, this is his body that was broken for you. And then let's take this together in remembrance. This is body was broken for you. Take the top off of your juice. This is representative of the blood that was shed for you and for me and the forgiveness of our sins. So if you'll also turn to someone, a brother or sister, and say, 
This is his blood that was shed for your forgiveness. And we have adopted as a family, which many believers have done for centuries, uh, the declaration that Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. So can we say that together? Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. Amen. So if, will you stand with me? Is there anything I have forgotten, Albert, that we need to conclude? Okay. Stay with me, and let's do a, a closing benediction. And the benediction really is just a sending out that it's it's no good if what we leave with here today is just in our head, it's knowledge, it's a definition of hospitality. Theory is great, but we have to actually put it into practice. So I would challenge you as you go to lunch from here today, talk to someone about this is the one thing I'm going to do this week that's different, that I'm going to add to my normal. And, uh, and challenge them to ask you about it next week if you've actually done it. Okay, so let's go. I'm going to say this benediction over us. May you go today remembering how much you've been loved by the Good Shepherd. May you sit at his feet this week until your cup overflows so that you're ready to love well. And may God's grace and peace be with you. God bless you. Stay tuned for more hospitality talks.